0: Love Talk Radio.
1: There is a
0: watchman on the wall, bringing forth the written word of God to one and all. Are you getting...
1: on the wall. Listen to the watchman on the wall. No, he, does, he doesn't have the um, ability to go to be heard on the talk. Arise the and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, restoration, revival, and resurrection power. and gentlemen, this is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Great to be with you today and welcome to our live radio broadcast. We had actually scheduled Daniel Secum, our dear friend and brother, the evangelist from Australia to be with us on the air today. And just moments ago, he showed up on the screen, but did not have the technology necessary to be on blog talk radio. So we decided at the last moment that we would have him join us when he has all of his um, equipment ready to go. So Daniel Seckham is alive. He is well. He is over in Australia. He has a lot of incredible things to share with us. And in the days ahead, we'll make sure that we hear from him. So um, don't lose hope on Daniel, okay? And by the way, the format of this Watchmen radio broadcast, and by the way, I got a number of by the ways, uh, we will be t- changing the uh, the description a little bit from the Watchman broadcast to Lighthouse. Uh, welcome to the Lighthouse. We really do want to be a Lighthouse. We believe that uh, the Lighthouse of God's truth, you know, that embodiment of truth, that embodiment of light, the Ecclesia of God around the world should be that, and the world should recognize uh, the Ecclesia, the church, as a Lighthouse in a very dark world. And um, because of what I shared yesterday about the battleship and the lighthouse, uh, there is a collision course with the world that is going to be com- coming right into God's truth and God's light. And we want people that are searching and are seeking for light and truth to uh, find a place like this. It's not the only place, obviously, where light and truth are being um, brought forth. And so we will be doing that. And I forgot what the other, by the way, was. I just was uh, in conversation with Kevin Hauger. Kevin, as you know, he runs things on the internet side of this ministry. And we were talking about the different things that he was uh, preparing. He and another friend uh, were actually working to bring this uh, ministry to its uh, to the next step, you know, to the next level of its uh, migration and its development and cultivation. And what we want to do is we just desire to have a uh, we can hear the words of Jesus saying to this work launch out into the deep and we have been out there before the truth be known we have been out in the deep in our in our ministry and it's been an amazing journey and we have been willing to just you know become very small and and to be very simple And to continue to do what God has put in our heart to do, which is to preach the gospel to whosoever will. And we are doing that, but we're hearing launch out into the deep, launch out into the deep. And we say, well, nevertheless, Lord, um, at thy word, we will do it. And so what we're seeking to do is to go a little further in platforms where we can reach more people. Rick Wiles, a man that I have uh, met personally. I've been in his meetings when he had a prophetic meeting in 2011. Uh, we were all invited down there were Michael Boldea and, you know, uh, so many different people were there. John Price, who wrote um, uh, a, a book on the end of America. Um, and if I brought some other names up, you would know these names. There were a lot of prophetic voices there. And Patricia and I were there. And what we watched. God do in Rick's ministry over the years uh, was to, I mean, he was very ambitious and he really put it to work and he went out there. And now he and Doc Burkhart and Edward Zoll are reaching all over the world. And the higher the level, the higher the devil. They have a lot more conflict. And there are some doctrinal things about Israel that Rick brought forth publicly about, you know, Zionism. And uh, he created a real stir within the Christian community. Uh, and just with the world out there and a lot of Jewish people. So um, regardless, he has stepped out. And I really want to say to some people out there, you know, check out True News. I think they're saying things that very few are saying and, you know, support a ministry like that. And God has blessed them, at least with their ability to launch out into the deep. So right now there's a new camera, for example, that Kevin brought over last night, and he kind of went through it today, and uh, it's just because we were so in your face, and that's not healthy for anybody. <laughs> that's not a good thing. This mug in your face, no bueno. And so uh, good morning to you, Brenda Torville. Welcome to the broadcast today. So anyways, um, we're launching out into deeper territory with simple things like this camera, And Kevin and I were talking just a moment ago about what it is going to take to have uh, backup battery packs, a microphone that I don't have to put these uh, big mega headphones on my head when we're talking. You know, we don't want to get our hair messed up. And um, some other things that we want to create a green screen, uh, a green screen in the back so that our downstairs uh, basement here at the house is not showing up. So, he gave me a number, and he said that you know, on the on the side of comfort of getting everything uh, that we need. And again, he was talking about monitors. He was talking about new microphone. He was talking about uh, new stuff that is going to have quality, quality sound, a quality background, uh, you know, to make everything more suitable for launching out into the deep. Um, he has a number at 5,000. When he walked out the door this morning, which is about 15 minutes ago, he said $5,000 would be a comfortable um, beginning. And when you think about studios like Rick Wiles, you're talking about million-dollar studios. We're not needing at this moment a million-dollar studio. Uh, I don't think we'll ever need a million-dollar studio, but I don't know, because their quality and the way that they're reaching out um, you know, and there's no reason why God's kids that are doing this, uh, reaching out in this final generation uh, to go fishing and to bring people into the kingdom by declaring the true word of God, the truth about the times that we're living in and, and always reaching out for souls, why we shouldn't do it with the best um, we can. And I guess. Kevin was going to be a professional fisherman. I just learned that this morning when he was going to be a professional fisherman. He had people actually ready to sponsor them. And so he knows that when you go fishing, you have to use the right material. And so as we're launching out, we want to be uh, appealing to our audience and so that people uh, would hear and see and recognize what God is doing through this ministry. And some people would be saved by the grace of God. That's so important. And others need to be enlightened about the times that we are living in. Um, There are some very disturbing things that are going on in our country and obviously around the world, very disturbing things that should be creating, you know, some real discomfort in the lives of people to know that uh, these things are happening. And we'll talk about them a little bit more today. So if you are interested in supplying a need to this ministry, we're not talking about New Wine Ministry Church, we're not talking about anything else, if you would like to help support this ministry to bring everything to a higher quality, including background, screens, etc., etc., the number that Kevin gave to me this morning was $5,000, okay, Um, and that is a very humble beginning to launch out and go further, uh, we, as you know, are spending approximately seven to $800 a month right now to run what we do. That's not a lot compared to other people on television that are spending millions of dollars a month for their programming. And we don't need all the gimmicks. We don't need, you know, uh, Hollywood productions of entrance and intros and outros. Uh, we don't need that. We have a very simple uh, music that we share uh, with people in every program because that came from friends of ours, Gary and Rosalie Jennings. And Gary and Rosalie went, they were the musicians in Tennessee, and they created albums, and they traveled all over the world. And they came to our church many years ago, and they loved our ministry. Rosalie has passed away. Uh, Gary is still there. But while Rosalie and Gary were living, they created that song, There is a Watchman on the Wall. So I keep that going to honor them and to honor their memory because they had it in their heart to be a blessing to this work. They really valued uh, what we do, and they put that song out. So that's the only intro that we have, and again, that is an honor for them. When we say goodbye, we don't need any clever, you know, things to say goodbye. Now, in the future, if God has something in mind, we'll check into that. So... We've been talking about end times for a long time and we've been doing this for a long time. Uh, We've been on radio since 2001. We've been 20 years on AM, FM radio. Since 2008, my friend Austin uh, from San Antonio, Texas, who I met in Katy, Texas, when I was speaking at a conference with a, a dear friend out there used to have a conference or they still have the conference every year in Katy, Texas. And um, I met Austin. He's the owner of a ministry called Streaming for Jesus, Streaming for Jesus. And if you ever go online and look Streaming for Jesus, I don't even know if he's gone so far advanced in the technology of things. But Austin came to my home in California in 2008 and helped me set up uh, our first online new wine radio ministry And we were broadcasting to the ends of the world, and at 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 that time, we were getting over one million hits per month. And at that time, I would just go on the radio and I would speak, and he set up a phone call, and people around the world. We had nations that were tuning in, and we were getting calls from around the world. Into the so we've been out in the deep before, is my point. Austin was there. Now Kevin is stepping up, and he's we're we're taking this very small work because quite frankly the ambition that I've had in my life God has I have submitted my ambition to the altar and I became very unambitious to grow a ministry it was not in my heart to just grow a ministry it was in my heart to preach the gospel to whosoever will and that this is a mechanism to get the word of God out there and we'll leave the rest to God, right? Well, right now, there seems to be a stirring of the waters. There's a stirring in hearts, and people are kind of wanting to uh, go in another direction and, and to bring things to the next level, and I believe that's motivated by the Spirit of God. He says in Haggai, tell the people to work. I'm going to put a spirit of work in them, and we are laboring, and we just want to do the best we can while we can, and that's what this is about. So, If you would like to help us in this ministry, in growing it up and and bringing it to a little better quality, and so that it could be gone forth, again, we're asking for $5,000 for Kevin to be able to get the equipment that's necessary, and um, that's what we're doing. So if you want to help do that, that would be amazing, and um, that's how simple this works and we'll leave the rest to God, and we'll leave the rest to you. As I said, we are spending about seven to $800 a month. That pays for the uh, Omega Radio website. It pays for New Wine Ministry website. It pays for all the different things that come in for the electrical bills, for the things that we're doing, the software, et cetera, et cetera. So that's what we are being charged. And when people like you Give a donation, and the way to give donations, we made it very simple. I've had some friends from our church set up a uh, an account where you could go directly into that, or PayPal, or whatever. And when you give, that is paying our seven to eight hundred dollar a month bill, right from this little studio. And that's that's all it, that's all we've ever asked for, and uh, I've done my best to steer away from making everything about money, uh, but every once in a while, a need comes up and God has been so faithful through the body of Christ to meet the needs. And right now the need is uh, for this little bit of growth in a platform, a little elevated platform to get a little further out there and to uh, be more appealing as we go. And that's what we're doing. So I hope you like the new camera look. I mean, there we are on camera and it's not in your face. And Kevin hooked that up yesterday. So we're thankful for that. Um, blog talk radio is another issue that we pay for. We pay for blog talk radio and, um, that's part of that seven to $800 a month. So that's what we're doing. I know that this is probably a little boring to some of you, um, but it is definitely our ministry. It's our work and we want to do the best we can. And we want to be, um, speaking the truth in love. I had a scripture today that kind of floored me. And Patricia and I were talking about it, and I want to share it with you <clears throat> because it's the strangest thing I've ever heard in my life. And yet there it was, black and white, actually red. And <clears throat> this was a conversation that Jesus was having with some people about marriage and about the kingdom and about um, well, let me, let me give it to you. It's in Luke chapter 20, in verse 27. And I just want—I want to get your interpretation. This is so far off topic, but I want to get your your sense on this in, in your Bible uh, you know abilities to to study and to discern. Um, in Luke chapter 20, verse 27, then came to Jesus certain of the Sadducees. Now, someone said they were sad, you see, because they didn't get it. But they were Sadducees, and that, which deny—now, these Sadducees denied that there is any resurrection. So here were religious leaders, and they're confronting Jesus because Jesus was teaching the Father's heart. And these men had already a downloaded uh, belief that there was no resurrection of the dead. And so they came to him, and they denied the resurrection, and they asked him, saying, Master, Moses wrote unto us, if any man's brother die, having a wife, and he die without children, okay, so there's the scenario, there's a couple of brothers, right, and one brother has a wife, and they haven't had any children yet, but the brother dies, They're saying, trying to trick Jesus, that his brother should take his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. So these men are referring to the law of Moses, and we'll look at that scripture in just a little bit. And they're saying that Moses said that a brother that's living should take the wife of the brother who died and raise up children to his brother. Very interesting. In verse 29, it says, there were, they're trying to tell Jesus, or they're telling him, there were therefore seven brethren, seven brothers, and the first took a wife and died without children, and the second took her to wife, and he died childless. The third took her, and in like manner, the seven also, and they left no children and died. Seven brothers having this one wife, never produced children. Last of all, the woman died also. This is in their thinking. Therefore, in the resurrection, which they're trying to deny, in the resurrection, whose wife of them is she? For seven had her to wife. Now, that sounded very clever. All right, you're going to talk about the resurrection. We don't believe in a resurrection. You do, Jesus. And so here's this scenario with seven brothers there's one woman, they've all had her to wife, and now in the resurrection, whose wife is she? Jesus, in verse 34, answered, said to them, the children, and this is, this is a mind blower, and I really want you to hear this, and I want to get your feedback on it. The children of this world marry and are given in marriage. So you say, well, what world is Jesus talking about? Obviously, the world of men right here. He's talking about the seven brothers that had the wife. So, okay, Jesus said, the children of this world, the children of this world, marry and are given in marriage. But they which shall be accounted worthy, listen to the wording here. Jesus said, but they which shall be accounted worthy, To obtain that world, I would imagine he's talking about heaven, the world to come, okay? And those that are accounted worthy to obtain that world and the resurrection from the dead. So now he's talking about being accounted worthy, okay, to obtain that world and to obtain the resurrection of the dead, from the dead, neither Mary nor are given in marriage, neither can they die anymore. For they are equal unto the angels and are the children of God, being the children of the resurrection. Now, to me, that's one of those passages in scripture that goes, wait a second. Here is the word of God himself, Jesus Christ, saying that the children of this world marry, they're given in marriage. But they which shall be counted worthy to obtain that world, that is to come, and the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage, neither can they die anymore, for they are equal unto the angels, and are the children of God, being the children of the resurrection. What is Jesus saying? Now, obviously, if you don't know any more scripture, it would appear to me personally That Jesus is saying, if you want to be qualified for the world to come, if you want to obtain and become worthy of the resurrection of the dead, if you want to be uh, worthy of going into the world to come and be part of the resurrection, well, then you don't get married. That's what he's saying on the surface. Obviously, it's what it appears. And I liken that to somebody getting a scholarship. There are scholarship funds for people. And in order to obtain the scholarship to take you to a university, well, you have to achieve certain things. You have to qualify. And it sounds like what Jesus is saying. If you want to qualify for the world to come, then don't get married. Don't be given in marriage. If you want to qualify for the resurrection from dead, from the dead, don't get married. That's what it says. But is that what he means? And if you didn't know the rest of Scripture, it's... Definitely something I think a lot of people would stop marrying. So Paul writes in the epistles that people were forbidding to marry. He said, that's not accurate. You talked about um, marriage being honorable in all things. In Hebrews, that the marriage bed is undefiled. So there's a lot of scripture. First Corinthians chapter seven talks about marrying and it's okay to marry. And Paul says, because of the present distress, probably better if you don't, you won't have any problems. But if you do, there's no problem with it. So Paul would not be preaching to people to get married if it disqualified them for going to heaven or being part of the resurrection. So what exactly was Jesus telling these Sadducees? Why did he say it? In the manner that he did. And so part of the commentary here is that Jesus' statement does not mean people will not recognize their partners in heaven. It simply means we must not think of heaven as an extension of life as we now know it our relationships in this life are limited by time death and sin we don't know everything about our resurrection life but jesus affirms that relationships will be different from what we are used to here and now that's pretty decent commentary i guess i mean but does it really answer the question why jesus said if you want to qualify for the world ahead of us, and you want to qualify for the resurrection, then you don't get married. So what was he saying? I'd like to hear from you. The number to call is 818-369-0326. This is our mystery scripture today, our mystery passage. What does this actually mean? What is Jesus actually referring to? When we balance the word of God and we bring the whole counsel of God's word, obviously, you're not going to miss the resurrection if you get married. Um, you're, you're going to go to heaven if you get married. The rest of Scripture does not nullify this idea, but what is this idea? What is Jesus actually saying to these Sadducees who were trying to prove to him there was no resurrection of the dead? Well, he went on in verse 37, now that the dead are raised, even Moses showed at the bush, When he called the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, for he is not a God of the dead, but of the living, for all live unto him. So Jesus is referring to Moses meeting the Lord at the burning bush, and when God said, I am the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, they were way before Moses ever existed, but God wasn't saying, I was their God. He said, I am the God. And so he's the living God in living relationship with those men, which means they had raised, and we know that they did, because Moses and Elijah appeared to Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. So they were still alive. Their spirits were very much alive. And there they were on the Mount of Transfiguration, Moses and Elijah, absolutely amazing. So God is the God of living. So Jesus proves there is a resurrection. We get that. But why does he bring in the marriage thing? Well, because in that world the world that is coming, they don't marry and they're not giving in marriage and relationships are shifting. Maybe you have a better thought. I'd like to hear from you. 818-369-0326. And again, press one on your dial pad and I'll bring you right into the conversation and get your thoughts on that. So, all right. So I want to say good morning to Brenda Tourville. I want to say good morning to Kenneth Bruns looking good with the screen change. Kevin, it's coming in very clear. Praise the Lord. Uh, Charlotte Lowe, good morning. Cindy Massman, good morning. Good morning to all of you. Uh, It's a little slow out here today, but we've got somebody that's going to step out right now and going to share their thoughts, I'm pretty sure, about what's happening, and then we'll get into our regular broadcast, which this is kind of regular. Let's take our call coming all the way from South Dakota. Good morning. God bless you, and welcome to the broadcast. You're on the air. What are your thoughts? Good
0: morning. Hi. Very interesting. Very interesting. Okay, in my devotions today, I was reading something that connects with what you are bringing out today. And in Psalm 71, 9, this is what it says here in the Bible. It says, now this is David the psalmist. He was getting elderly, David was. And he says, cast me not off in time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength faileth. O God, thou hast taught me from my youth, and hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. Now also, when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not until I have shown thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. So now, marriage is not defiled, like you said, and it's another generation after you have children, they have children, and look at all the years that David is, and, uh, was on this earth and now in eternity. In, uh, also, there was an explanation. Okay, so now as we journey this journey here on this earth with the Lord in our lives, and we go through many things, trials and tests, through this now I'm just this is a question really to to you. Um and you know, a lot of times people as they are serving the Lord, they get into where they want all these the gifts of the spirit, you know. And so why why do they press into that instead of the spirit of God and the power of God to come through them so that the next generation can also see Christ in them, but do people do this because uh, they want the the charm and the availability and, the, and and his presence? And what's the motive, uh, you know, for these gifts? Now David, he was a he was very elderly when he passed and went to be with the Lord, but it does say that life it, it, he was king. The Israel, which was, and he was chosen by God, by the prophet, there is something beautiful in the next world to come, which like you said, we're not aware of it right now, but through the years, there's generations that we have to
1: pass the truth onto as human beings. I think I better hang up and listen to you. Well, it's okay. It's a great comment. And you actually stirred some things up that I think are very important. We were actually in a Bible study last night. Uh, Let's talk about it. And thank you for that call. It was wonderful. Um, And the question was good. So let's, number one, talk about the world to come. And I think this very simply ties into Bible prophecy, the end times, the end of our lives here on earth. Um, everything in Scripture really basically tells us, particularly in this New Testament, seek ye not the things of this world, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to put on, Uh, for after all these things do the nations of the earth, the heathen nations of the earth, and this is Jesus talking, are concerned about. And somehow Jesus was saying to the flock that was before him, his people that were trusting him, he's saying, trust me, I'll take care of you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you meaning i'll take care of your food supply your water supply your, your the, what you need to put on i'll take care of your life i'll make sure that your needs are met and i have to believe that jesus is doing that for everybody that calls upon his name and i and, and i'm going to leave that right there i know that's been the reality in my life as i've sought first the kingdom of god and his righteousness to walk out and work out my salvation god is blessed there is a world to come. And I think the reason why Jesus said that and why the Bible actually teaches that, it says to the rich men of the world, don't put your faith in uncertain riches. Uh, don't be high-minded. Don't put your trust in them, you know, this, that, and the other thing, is the scriptures are telling us there's a world coming. And there is a life after life on earth. And the thing that we rejoice in is that there is real, genuine life probably more explosive, more electrifying than the life we're in right now. Right now on planet Earth, there's a very low energy. And thank God for the people of God who are inspired by the Spirit of God. And that Spirit of God is a quickening spirit that keeps energizing our bodies to do the work of the kingdom and to live an abundant life. It's part of the reward. It's part of the benefit of being a man and woman of God on this earth. We have promises that are given to us about our health. We have promises that our needs will be met according to his riches and glory when we honor him. We have promises throughout the word of God to live an abundant life, a quality of life here on planet earth. And there are things that go on that we don't understand. As of yet, there is some understanding, but that's all for a moment The scriptures are very clear that this life that we are in here on earth is a very temporary experience. The really cool thing is, is that we were born into this world. We have existence through the liquid seed of our fathers and our mother's womb. We have become, I mean, it it is a phenomenal thing. And I, and I heard it and I've said it for years and it blows my mind because, you know, I think about the science of God and the bio, the biology of God and how that we started out in the form of liquid seed in our father's bodies and that somehow out of that seed, we have become who we are with an intelligence and a design that far surpasses anything, anywhere in the created universe. And even in an artificial intelligence, whatever kind of human beings they're going to create in their image and artificial, it's always going to be artificial. It's never going to be the real deal. And regardless of how, Far their computer, uh, you know, intelligence will take them, the intelligence of God that you and I were liquid seed, that blows my mind. And then we were told that not only was it liquid seed, but within the context of liquid seed, there were like 300,000 or 300 million little sperm that were racing for the ovary so that they could get in there and become us. I mean, to me, that is mind blowing. And and I, I just marvel at things like that, especially because they're true. And that a lot of the little spermy things didn't make it, but you did. It tells me from the very beginning we were designed to run a race. And while all the little spermi were running for the ovary to the finish line to become you, who you are, actually won. So you've been running a race since career, since everything began, right? And God designed it that way, and because you beat everybody else, you made it to the ovary, you live. You live and then you come out of that with a design, you're knit together in your mother's womb, you're formed in your mother's womb, you can't tell me there's not spiritual God design to creation. We just think it's all just get in there, do your thing, bam, bam, and here you are, you exist, well, okay, you're a baby. No, the design of one life is so supernatural, and it's all about an overcoming life. It is an overcoming life, and so you overcame all those other ones. You beat them. You ran your race. You became, and now you're born again. Now, that's what blows me away. If we just leave the God-intelligent design uh, right there with creation, but then sin came in, right? So sin comes in and messes up everything, and so what does God do? He says, well, you need to be born again. Well, what does that mean? That means you need to go back into the ovary, which is Christ, if you will, just a symbolic form. Don't say, oh, he's preaching Christ as an ovary. I'm not. All I'm saying is that there's life in Christ. And so when you and I come back to him, when we journey into him and we connect with him, we are born again. And being born again, we are now running another race, and we are becoming. Well, in the beginning, in Adam – we all, we all ran in the, in, the, in the race into the ovary, and we won, and we became who we are, but we're all messed up because of sin. So Jesus says, be born again. So we go back into the organism of life, which is Christ, not religion, not religion, but the organism of Christ. We, we enter into Christ, and we become again. We're born again. This time, we have a brand new nature that is Christ's nature. It's not Adam's nature. And when I think about the spiritual reality that we're born again of incorruptible seed, which is the Word of God, which it says in the Word, that we have been born again not of gold and silver and all that stuff, but we've been born of incorruptible seed, sperma in the Greek, the Word of God. We're born again. We have a new life. And, and, and as, as long as we're in Christ, that new life is developing. Now, to me, that's amazing, okay? Praise God for being born again. Why? Because that talks about a nature change, a nature change. We go from human nature to divine nature. And you and I are in, in, in this temporary world, which is phenomenal. You get to live 70, 80, 90, 100 years, 120. Give it 150 if you want to. OK, but that's it. You're dead. You're gone after that. Right. But in Christ, we are born into an eternal reality. We will never cease to exist in Christ, in God. Then the Bible tells us that people that don't come into Christ, that remain in that old Adamic nature, that there's, it's reprobate, it's useless, it's of no value to God which is really amazing. That incredible design is just warped. It's so condemned that there's no eternal value in and of itself. And so if human beings don't come to God through faith in his son and admit and confess and turn to the creator, well, then there's no eternal purpose for that person, for that life that refuses Christ. And because of the eternal condition well, there's a place called hell, there's a place called Gehenna, a place called the lake of fire, a place called torment, uh, you know, there's this place of outer darkness, weeping and gnashing of teeth, the worm never dies, I mean, there is any eternal existence for the damned, and I, you know, that that's between God himself, I mean, that's it, whatever that's for, but I know whoever's name is not written in the Lamb's book of life at the end of time before the great Bema seed of Christ they're being cast into the lake of fire. That's God's intention. That's his, it's what he, he did. He created it that way. But for you and I, who are born again, okay, we we made it into Christ. Okay, the um, the violent take the kingdom by force. You and I came back into Christ. We should praise Him forever because now that we did, we're born again with a new nature, a new species. Come on, a new species. Is that work in us? So that if this cover came off, there's an eternal reality going on inside of us. I think that's the coolest thing in the world. We don't even need to talk about anything else, quite frankly. But there is more to talk about. Because you could spend eternity just thinking, my God, I've been born again. I've been born again. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I've been born again by the incorruptible sperm of god's word i have been born again in my heart the good soil the fertile soil of my heart has received god's rich seed and god's rich sperma seed made contact with my good soiled honest heart and there's a reproduction of life a newness of life and it's going on into eternity and it's not just temporary and it's it's amazing and it's faith in God's word to believe these things and I have no problem with it I just happen to believe that must be God's gift of faith that must be for ordination for you and I to believe the word of God is true and to have an eternal hope well what that does we don't commit suicide when things get tough we don't we don't go back to drugs and alcohol when things get tough We don't do anything because when we really believe that we're born again and there's a new life within us and in this world we have challenges, we always look beyond the challenges. We have to carry, we carry an eternal hope, a confident expectation that this challenge that I'm in right now will not be forever. I'm not going to die in this wilderness I'm going to go through this because I'm looking beyond it, and I know that God has not determined that I die in this condition. I'm not going to fall short. I'm not going to fail. I am an overcomer because the spirit of the overcomer lives inside of me, and his spirit is my life. It's my eternal inspiration. That's why we go on. So saints of God have been murdered. They've been slaughtered. They've been burned at the stake. They have been raped. They have been killed, they have been tortured, but they kept their faith, and we know that they are the children of the resurrection, that they're going to rise in glorified bodies, in brand new bodies that can never die. I mean, to, to allow yourself to die for your faith, like we saw a couple of years ago when the Muslims were cutting the heads off of these Christian men The Christian men's mothers and wives were rejoicing with joy unspeakable and full of glory that their sons did not sell out on their faith just to save their temporary life. They were willing to come under the Islamic sword and die without denying Christ because they knew in their eternal hope that they would be part of the resurrection. And I am confident that their spirits went before the Lord and they were received gloriously into heaven. And the time will come when they will be clothed with their glorified bodies. Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding me? So to the Christian today that gives up because they're having a trial, they give up because they're having a bad day. You never give up. What you do is you find out what got you in that trial in the first place, what's going on in your soul, what's going on in your heart, what kind of warfare are you in. But you always know that you have the victory. He always causes us to triumph. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. So I just, you know, that, that conversation, I love that conversation. What Kathy had asked about, why are, so, why are people so caught up in the gifts? And it's funny, last night we had a Bible study, and we got into this very conversation. But let me just say this. If you grew up, okay, and everybody is born in this world with certain gifts and talents, and they're generational. Some people have generational curses, and some people have generational blessings. There are things that come into our DNA, and we kind of show ourselves just gifted, like an athlete. You know, so one person comes out, and man, they've got this talent, this skill to just be athletic. Other people come out with this musical skill. They could just have this ability to be musical, but they couldn't throw a ball if you paid them a million dollars to do it, right? They just don't have that gift. So we're all born into Adam's race into this world with certain giftings and abilities. Some people are more intelligent than others and and there are stupid people that think that the intelligent people should rule things and they dismiss the unintelligent people from their point of view. It's all crazy, right? But anyways, people enjoy their talents and their gifts. So when we come to faith in Christ, when we get born again and we receive the Holy Spirit as the gift He is the gift, the Holy Spirit, but within the Holy Spirit, there is the gift of faith, the gift of healing, the gift of miracles, the gift of tongues, the interpretation of tongues, the gift of administration. I mean, there's all these incredible gifts. The gift, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, uh, the the, uh, prophecy, revelation. And so the Spirit of God comes into our lives, and it opens us up to a world way beyond our natural talents, our natural gifting, our natural abilities. Well, now we've received something from God that opens us up to the world of the Spirit, and we're getting words of knowledge, words of wisdom, revelation, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues. We lay hands on the sick, they get healed. Miracles. I mean, that is a phenomenal thing. And it's given by God to every one of us so that we can all profit the whole never for our own benefit to walk around going, look at the gift I've got. No, everything we have is to reach out and to bring a profit, an increase to the body of Christ. The gift of the Holy Spirit is not to the world, the unbelieving, unregenerate, unredeemed world. It's to the believer so that the body of Christ could be edified by the gift of the Holy Spirit that operates in all these different operations and manifestations. But Paul the Apostle, so my point is it's a wonderful thing to be able to pray in the Spirit and to pray the mysteries of God and the kingdom of God and to interpret, to have a word of knowledge for someone's life, a word of prophecy, a declaration, a revelation, lay hands on the sick miracle. That's phenomenal. It comes from God. But last night we were teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, for the preaching of the cross to them that perish is foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God, and Paul actually went on in chapter 2, in verse 1, and I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. What does that actually mean? Paul was writing to the Corinthian church in the Corinthian church, exploded with the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the people were prophesying and giving words of knowledge and words of wisdom, and they had revelation, and they were healing, and there was just the miraculous. That ecclesia was exploding with the gift of the Holy Spirit, but at the same time, there was a young man having sexual intercourse with his father's wife. In other words... Paul was writing to a church that was very gifted with the gift of the Holy Spirit, and they were all operating in it, and the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. So they're operating in it, but their conduct and their character was deeply flawed. And so Paul came and said, I don't want to know anything concerning you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. In other words, yes, you've received the gift of the Holy Spirit. You're operating in the Holy Spirit, But he knew something. Paul knew something by the teachings of Jesus. Many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, I prophesied in your name. I cast out devils in your name. I did all these things in your name. And he will say to them, depart from me, worker of iniquity. I never knew you. So the deception is you could be very gifted, receive the Holy Spirit, and be very gifted, and receive that gift and operate in it. You can operate in it. Remember the homosexual minister, Paul Cain, whatever his name was, he was a practicing homosexual, and yet thousands of people were coming from around the world to get a word of knowledge from him in that particular movement. you go gone down through it. They had gifts, but they were living in ill sin. So what is Paul saying? Listen, you can deceive yourself by operating in these gifts that you have been given because they're given without repentance. But you could go straight to hell because of your conduct. In other words, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not your salvation. Well, if I operate in the gifts of tongues, I'm going to be saved. No, salvation is faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul said, salvation, working it out, is a death to the self-life. And this is probably one of the most woefully lacking things in the body of Christ. Some people become so legalistic, it destroys their life. They become just, it's miserable, dark gray, you know, I'm dying to myself and it's legalism and, you know, this control. And it's, it's not, that's not what Jesus advocated or Paul advocated at all. The death to self in a proper administration of dying to self is a release of the divine life, which is better on a higher level of energy and, 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 and fruitfulness and connectivity to the Godhead so that your life has gone from the low energy into the high anointed life of God Almighty where you're, you're, you're just living and you are gifted, but your character and your conduct is so becoming Christ because the desire of the Holy Spirit isn't just to make us go shana lana mama binga, whatever. The, the Holy Spirit is at work in us to produce a like nature. And the Corinthian church was getting off track. They were all in the gifting. But their nature transformation was not taking root. It was not activated. So the Apostle Paul comes and said, I don't want to know anything. I don't care about how many gifts, how many tongues, how many prophecies, what you know about the end times. I don't really care. I don't want to know what you know by the giftings of the Holy Spirit. What I want to know is Jesus Christ crucified in your life. How the cross has nullified you. That's powerful. Nullified the old you the old, sinful, human-natured you. I. This is what Paul's saying. I want to know you in the new nature. I've written to you, to the same church of Corinth. If any man or woman be in Christ Jesus, he or she is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. He's writing that to people so they get back on track what it's all about. And he said many other things. And you were studying the book of corinthians and man i think it's we want to go on into the book of revelation right we want to get into the deep things of god right well that we will do if god permits hebrews chapter 6 but i don't know if god's actually permitting us to go into the deep things of god because we're still acting like the corinthian church and when there's schism and there's division and there's backbiting and gossiping and who's who and i belong to this one and i belong to that one when that's all going on you can't advance into the deep things of god almighty and go into the deep mysteries of the kingdom and revelation of the end times. And, I mean, we know what's coming. I get that. I mean, we should all know what's coming by now. It's so easy to discern. But we could talk about that from now until, you know, eternity. But God's after something else. He's after a conduct transformation, a transformation of our nature, the character He's after character, not man-made, high-caliber character of somebody that comes out of, you know, one of the higher learning of institutions and become a brilliant, wise man in the world, because Paul actually writes that the wise men of the world are foolishness to God. So what he's after is a character that doesn't belong to Adam. It's a character. Now, Adam has some high-caliber, you know, intelligence, wisdom, character for the worldly things, but if it's not rooted in the character of Christ, it's small in comparison, the weakest in the body, of Christ, the least in the body of Christ is greater than John the Baptist, the greatest prophet that ever lived. Why is that? Because just a little bit of the divine nature and the character of Christ in our lives accelerates us way beyond the highest forms of intelligence and character that the world could ever produce in the human nature. These are powerful things. This is in your Bible. This is in the Word of God. And why is it important? Because at the end of this moment, this temporary moment on earth in these physical bodies, we are going to give an account for our lives. We're all going to meet up with the lighthouse of truth, Jesus Christ. And we're going to have to have a a collision. And if we have been operating in our own strength, in our own wisdom... If we've been fooling ourselves, thinking, well, I'm gifted, I got prophecy, I know the word of the Lord, I can preach good, but my character is deeply flawed, and I've never dealt with my bitterness, unforgiveness, resentment, pride, ego, lust, or any other thing, jealousy, envy. If I've never dealt with those lower nature issues, like Galatians 5 says we need to, and all the rest of Scripture in Colossians and Ephesians, they all talk about it, if I've never done that, I'm fooling myself, and that's how Paul was writing. So, getting back to Kathy's question You know, why the gifts? Why the gifts? Well, they're important for the things of God. (laughs) Okay. So, you know, this this is good. It's all very, very good. All right. Now what do you want to talk about? What do you want to talk about? By the way, Daniel 2nd was going to join me today. So I want to ask you a question. Are you born again? Am I born again? Is there fruit or evidence of a new life on the inside of you? Are you become, have you become a new creation in Christ Jesus? Are you different? Do you represent not the religious? Because religion, the angel of light, religion and born again are so closely knit. It's kind of like bone and marrow. It's kind of so closely interconnected that it's difficult to tell what is religion, which produces nothing in in the sense of character, or born again, which is nature, organic. Are you born again? Do you have a new nature? Do you have the mind of Christ? Are you operating out of the fruitfulness of the born again experience? Why, why would I ask that question? Because quite frankly, if we're not, it doesn't matter about how much preparation we've made for the end times. Honest to God, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if the world is round or the world is flat. It doesn't matter if there's a pre-trib rapture or a no pre-trib rapture. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters if we're not born again. Because if we're not born again and we don't have the new nature and have them become partakers of the new nature, the divine nature. There is no eternal life. There is no eternal life. If we don't put to death the deeds of the flesh, I'll give you an example here. And we could just absolutely go on into scripture here. Galatians chapter five. Here's, I want you to hear these words very clearly because they're not preached enough any longer. Um, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. This is Paul writing to the church of Galatia, and he says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, means wars against, and the Spirit against the flesh. So there's a, a battle going on. And these are contrary the one to the other. The flesh is contrary to the spirit. The spirit is contrary to the flesh. So that you cannot do the things that you would. You cannot do the things that your flesh wants to do. That's what Paul's saying. You can't do the things your flesh wants you to do. Listen, but if you be led of the spirit, get in the spirit of God. You are not under the law, praise God. Now, the works of the flesh, okay, this contrary nature that you cannot do, listen to what he says. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest. And these are just a few. He talks about adultery, fornications, wrath, or excuse me, fornication, uncleanness. Listen to these are works of the flesh now, okay? Lasciviousness, that that lewdness, idolatry, witchcraft, rebellion, hatred, witchcraft, Wiccanism, or anything that is contrary to the spirit of God. Hatred, variance, emulations, divisions, wrath, Strife, this is all part of human nature. Seditions, heresies, envying, murder. If you hate your brother, you're a murderer. Drunkenness, revelings. Now listen, and such like, and it means there's more, of the which I tell you before, as I have told you, also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. They that do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. So when he says walk in the spirit, he's saying walk in love, joy, peace. Let me just stop right there. Let me ask you a question. What life is better to walk in hate, murder, drunkenness, strife, being an adulterer, fornicating, Some of those things may be pleasurable for a season, but they produce eternal death, right? But let me ask you a question, in all sincerity. What's better? To live in wrath and anger, murder, drunkenness, all this stuff, or to live in love and joy and peace? What's the better life? You could have your husband or your wife in a marriage that's complementary to God. You have offspring or not, produce, whatever. You can have marriage, enjoy the pleasures of marriage. Or you can run around and adulterate and fornicate and have the wrath of God on you. You could be angry. You could be full of party spirit. You could have murder in your heart, envy in your heart. You could have strife in your heart. You tell me what's the better life. And this is just a partial list. So further, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, rather than impatient, right? Gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Now listen to these words. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh, with the affections and lusts. Put off, Paul said. Let me just read this in Ephesians chapter four, because I'm just giving you the word of God. This is just the word, right? Ephesians chapter four, verse 17. This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord that you henceforth, that means from now on, Christian, walk not as other Gentiles walk. In the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness, but you have not so learned Christ, if so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus that you put off concerning the former life, conversation, conduct, the old man. Put him off, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. I could find a hundred scriptures. I could walk through this all the rest of this moment and show you, This is what Paul was after in the Corinthian church, the Galatian church, the Ephesus, Colossians. He says the same thing to all believers, all churches, everywhere. You need to be born again. We all need to put off the old man that is corrupt and deceitful. And we need to put on the new man, which is created in righteousness and true holiness. We need to crucify our flesh. Going back to Galatians 5, they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections, and they crucified it, the flesh, nature. This is really important, and and people get all confused. Oh, man, I thought my salvation was a free gift. I don't have to do anything. Well, it is a free gift. Jesus Christ was slaughtered at the whipping post. Jesus Christ, the one that saved you and I, They put thorns in his head, spikes as a crown and mocked him and spit on him. And they took the hair out of his face. They yanked it out. This is the one who saved you and me. You know, this cheap grace thing. Let's just examine a little further. That they arrested him. They began to persecute and bring false witness and all these things. and, And after putting the crown of thorns in his head and, and spitting at him and punching him and all these things. They took him to the whipping post where they tied his hands to the post. And there he was tied up. He couldn't run. He couldn't wiggle out of anything. And these Roman soldiers took their whips and their flagellants, and they began to 39 times tear into his flesh and to rip the skin and the blood and the sinews and the tissues and the muscles and begin to rip him to shreds so that Isaiah said that he was unrecognizable. He could not recognize the bloody mass of flesh. Here the Lamb of God is being slain for the sins of the whole world. He's taking the wrath of God, the punishment of God is upon him, and as they're taking it around his neck and his throat and his back and his thighs and his legs, and they're bloodying him 39 times, then they command him to carry a cross through the city streets known as the Via della Rosa in Jerusalem. And as he's carrying the cross, They are whirling accusations at him, spitting on him, yelling at him. He can't handle it much longer. So they have a man help him to carry that cross up to the Golgotha, the the mountain of the skull, the hill of the skull. And then they lay him down on this wooden cross, the tree. And they drive spikes into his feet, into his hands, wrists, his area. And then they lift him up. That's what saved you and I. And why did he do that? Because of our sin and because of our sinful nature. So he crucified for it. And then what does he ask us to do? He says, take up your cross. Take up your cross and die to yourself centered sinful nature. Is it easy? No, because the flesh wars against the spirit. The spirit wars against the flesh. And if we don't have relationship with the Holy Spirit, it makes it even harder. If we're led by the spirit, if we have the intelligence of the spirit going before us, shows us how to get things done easier. But there's a war. And the idea of, oh, I'm saved by grace. of so going to heaven because of what Jesus did for me. Well, when we really examine what jesus did for us that he bled in seven parts of his body he bled from every orifice of his body and not only did they viciously whip him and crucify him not only did they slaughter him but when he was lifted up on the cross he cried out my god my god why have you forsaken me For the first time in eternity, the son was separated from the father because he was taking the sin of the world upon him. He didn't have the essence of his father at that moment. He literally experienced eternal separation from God. Because he had to taste that for us. Because without the sacrifice, we would have been eternally separated from God. And the very experience of that separation caused him to cry out. And to say that I'm going to heaven because Jesus died for me, without any interest at all of putting to death that foul mouth, those nasty habits, those carnal fleshly appetites, To be walking in Christendom, watching pornography, fornicating, committing adultery, smoking, drinking, lying, cursing, rude, angry, mean, self-centered, self-serving, manipulative, always a motive to get something for self no matter what I do, pride to be seen of men, to puff up. To be someone, I don't see it that way. I see that if he experienced this crucifixion for my salvation, and he asked me to pick up the cross, and Jesus himself said, unless you pick up your cross and follow me daily, you cannot be my disciples. And if it's too inconvenient Or it hurts too bad to give up my anger. I got to stop lying. I got to put away pornography. Oh, I got to stop stealing. Doggone it. That's hard. I got to stop pretending. I got to take off my mask. I got to show that I'm really nothing. That's too hard for me. Well, he's saying, no, it's not. It's really not. You can do this. I've actually given you my Holy Spirit to help you accomplish this. And yet... We live in a world where there's a billion distractions saying don't pick up your cross. Do everything. Get in the stages, spend billions of dollars on big cathedrals, big churches, big bands, get the lights, get the music, get the professional motivational speakers, get the incredible worship bands out there. Bring all the talents. Come on. Let's really It's not what he asked for. What he asked for was for you and I to quietly, simply, every single day, put to death our selfish ambition in this world. To seek God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. To put him first in everything because he so loved us that he gave his son an act of love, a brutal act, but motivated by God's love because that's what we deserve. It wasn't an accident. We weren't going to be punished. Well, I didn't do anything. Yes, we all deserve the wrath of God. No matter what you think, no matter what I think, from God's perspective, the whole human race is condemned to eternal damnation because we don't understand the offense of our sin against God and being born a sinner in this world and sinning. If we never wake up from the delusion that we're on, we're on the wide road that leads to destruction, right? But when we see the light of the gospel and exposes what we've done, we cry out to God for mercy and he gives it. Hallelujah. But we need to recognize the serious offense that we are committing when we sin against God. We are offending him. Do you think the punishment and the wrath upon the human race is a joke? Do you realize what's happening in our world today? Do you understand how people are dying all over the world every moment? Do you understand that what is happening to little children? Do you understand what's happening to grown men, to people all over this world? Do you understand this is not a joke? The wrath and the condemnation and the demonic, hellish, brutal war against humanity is real. And God's punishment is real. The day you eat of this, you shall surely die. In other words, don't do it because there are forces that are going to just wreak havoc upon you. And they didn't believe God. And look at the world. What God said is true. And the only way out of all this nonsense going on in this brutal world is through Jesus Christ. He's the way back. And to say, well, I got my ticket to go to heaven. I believe in Jesus. But to continue to live the way the world lives that draws the wrath of God and yet say I'm saved is foolishness. It's pure foolishness. We talked about it yesterday. Well, I'm not going to judge the world because I do the same thing. That's not accurate. Well, I'm going to judge the world while doing the same thing. I'm going to draw wrath on me. That's not accurate. No, I'm going to expose, and I'm going to be a righteous judge about what's right and wrong. I'm going to be very judicial in my thinking and say, that's right, that's wrong. In the church, the world's already judged. But if you can't because you do the same thing, well, then don't. But don't think, just because I don't judge, but I do the same thing, that you won't be judged. You're already judged. Any of us would be. Do you tell people, don't gossip. Gossip is bad. Don't ever talk to somebody else about somebody without them being there. If you have a problem with somebody, always go talk. So you could get on the high horse of this and say, don't do it, don't do it, and find yourself doing it. That's not healthy. What you have to do is stop doing it. But the church has become such that nobody's saying anything because everybody's doing what they're not supposed to do. Is there salvation in that? I don't believe there's salvation in that. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Everything in the New Testament is repent, turn from your wicked ways. Don't do that anymore. Well, my human nature wants to. Well, God gave you the Holy Spirit and a new nature, so you don't have to. That's what he's telling us. And you and I yield one way or the other. I don't know how we got into this conversation, but we are here. And I know that most people want to get into the, I got, I got, man, I got stuff coming about the New World Order. I've got all kinds of stuff coming down the pipe. We're going to talk about crazy things going on in society. And people love to feed on that and they, they want to know and they go, ah oh, man, that's so wrong, it's so bad. But what about this conversation about our salvation, our souls? Don't you think maybe we need to turn off the strobe lights, the smoke machines, the big band and the tens of thousands that are, yeah! but go out and are fornicating and are committing adultery and are smoking and are drinking and are angry and are human. Don't you think we should have a conversation? in little groups and sit down and say, Hey, how's your walk with God really going? How are you really doing? And to hear the refreshing reality of man, I'm struggling so bad. What are you struggling with? man, I'm being tempted here. I'm getting afflicted here. I got things going on in my heart that are just troubling to me and these thoughts and these ideas. are, You know, I'm just really, okay, can we pray for you? Yeah, let's pray, man. I, I, I want to change. I want to be different. This guy cut me off on the freeway, and I just really, really had internal thoughts and feelings about that. And I thought, man, I don't want to feel that way. Where's that coming from? There's, so there's something there has to, has to die. Can you, can you help me? Would you pray for me? Rather than, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm great, man. Yeah, I just got off the freeway. I'll never tell you this, but I just really wanted to whack that guy. But, but I'm great, man. I'm. And so the, the whole environment is full of deception and lies. It's all lies. When do we get it right as an ecclesia? When do we challenge ourselves? When do we expose? When do we become transparent? When do people start standing up, not getting caught? I mean, people get caught doing stuff, and then they confess. There's no confession in getting caught. It's people standing up and saying, listen, I'd like to address the body, Pastor. Can I speak to, can I speak to the church? I, got, I want to unburden my heart. Mm, okay, take a risk at that. Go ahead. And, and somebody refreshingly gets up and says, listen, I, I, I know the word. I know what it says. I've been going to church. I'm paying my tithes. I've been giving offerings. I've been helping people, but internally, intrinsically in myself, man, I'm a mess. I've got fears, and I get unforgiveness, and I get, and I got troubles in my soul, and I don't even know if they're real or not. I, I'm, I'm really tr- got inside of my own soul. I mean, it may look okay out here, but I'm just really messed up. Can you guys help? And do you know that the first step to any kind of recovery is confession? Tell him. Do you know we don't do that in church today? We cover. We cover up. And when we cover up, then all of a sudden, we, the news flashes all over the world. Pastor so-and-so has been committing adultery, and he's been exposed for his homosexuality. And because the church, oh, cover, cover, cover. I'm not saying that our gatherings all supposed to be told about how evil and wicked and neat It's Listen, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Yes. Do you have the Holy Spirit? Yes. What's the proof you have the Holy Spirit? Well, and you hear, they got filled with the Holy Spirit. When Peter went to Cornelius, the leader of the Italian band in Acts chapter 10, uh, they all got filled with the Holy Spirit. And so Peter was now talking to the Sanhedrin, if you will, the, 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 the New Covenant apostles, and he's explaining to them, yeah, I was talking to them about this and that, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit fell, they began to pray in tongues. and right, we got power. I mean, it was amazing. And they all go, well, I guess God gave the Holy Spirit to them too. In other words, they knew they had it. Do you really have the Holy Spirit? First, first, most important thing, because the Holy Spirit's the helper. He's the one that gets on deep down in the inside and begins to recircuit things. He begins to put things together where connections have been severed in the old creation. He puts them brand new, a brand new system of operation with a new intelligence, not trying to necessarily fix the old one. And this is what is so disturbing sometimes. This is where we don't get a lot of ground. So many people are trying to fix the old man. So many people are trying to fix the human nature. Listen, it can't be fixed. It's condemned to death. That's it. So rather than trying to fix the old nature and the old problems and the old issues, you can't fix it. What God gives us is a new nature, a new system, a new hard drive, a new everything, new, and it works perfect, but we have to choose. Do I operate out of the old operating system of my old man? Do I operate out of the new operating system of my new creation? Well, we're going back 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, for years troubled by the past. Well, that means you're still operating out of that old system. In Christ, his blood has washed us and cleansed us. We shouldn't even generational bloodline curses should be so thoroughly put away under the blood of Jesus Christ but not until we're operating out of that new reality will we ever see it. That's what deliverance is all about, to get people to see the work of Christ, to deal with the demons of their past and be done with it. Be done with it. You know, we're, we're real. We're not robots. We, we, there's a place to be angry and sin not. There is that that does exist in God, in the new operating system. Marriage is honorable in all. That's okay to be married and to come together and be intimate with your spouse. That's okay. That doesn't make you a human sinner. No. God originally intended for that. So you eat. Yes, your physical body needs food. That doesn't make you a human-natured, glutton, greedy. I mean, the gluttony is the human nature. you got to eat, right? But how do I eat? Do I eat in gluttony? Do I consume? Do I just pour in cupcakes, ding-dongs, suck it all in and just greed, you know, like the Pizza hut, Pizza the Hut, you know, or do I eat in moderation? Do I eat healthy? Do I eat good? Do I, do I actually, through the new operating system, learn to eat maybe a little slower, maybe not as much, you know, do I have self-control? Because that's part of the new operating system. Or am I in my physical body? I'm eating and drinking and smoking and, you know, it, that's not it. That's not it. Where are we? Okay. So are you born again? Am I born again? Is there any evidence? Is there change? Is there transformation? Is there fruit? Is there love? Is there joy? Is there peace? Is there long suffering? Let me say it this way. Do I have love? Do I live in love? Do I live in joy? Do I live in peace? Do I live in long suffering? Do I live in gentleness? Do I live in goodness? Do I live in faith? Do I live in meekness? Do I live in temperance? Temperate at all I do. Is that my reality? or am I bullish, aggressive, impatient, unkind, unloving, angry, bitter, resentful, afraid? Only you can answer that question. And you might say, well, I'm not perfected yet in the fruit of this new nature. I haven't learned the entire operating system yet, in my free will but I'm definitely looking into that and when I get into a situation I, I realize well there, I could love right now or I could debate and get in the end of this problem I could I could be self-controlled right now or I could just let my tongue say what it wants to say but I'm I, in my in, in inner spirit in my free will I'm, I'm looking to the new nature and I'm realizing there's always better fruit when I yield to the new nature so I'm going to respond right now with a decision to love rather than just react because I have no self-control and I'm not temperate, okay? So I'm I'm really pursuing this, and I'm learning by yielding. I'm becoming, and that new nature is becoming a reality in my life that I actually don't even have to think about anymore. It's who I am. Am I working out my salvation with fear and trembling? Is what Jesus Christ did for me enough to compel me to move in this direction, not by guilt, not by, um, you know, I have to do this, but can I look at Jesus Christ and his crucifixion for my sins and the price that he paid and say, you did that for me? You died for me? I thought you just did that for the Jewish people. No, you did it. To the Jew first and then to the Gentiles, you died, for this. you're the savior of the whole world. And I'm part of that. You actually suffered that death for me. Shouldn't our response be, what can I do for you? How can I live for you? How can I show my love back to you? And yet right in between the two, there's a force there, an antagonistic, hostile, satanic enemy that's saying don't you dare love that lord don't you dare give up your life because the self nature is very selfish it's protecting itself it wants to live and we like to moderate it we like to put religion on it so that it doesn't appear to be so selfish so we make it a little religious and we act like this and that But we're talking about the nature itself in operation, the nature itself. But where does that person, that one in a million, come along and say, wow, you died for me a bloody death. You took the wrath, the condemnation, the guilt, the shame, the disgrace. Isaiah 53 tells us all about it. You took the reproach that was on me, you took it on yourself so I could be free of that whole thing? You did that for me? Why? I don't deserve that. I didn't do anything to deserve that. Why did you do that for me? You mean I don't have to be greedy anymore? I don't have to be full of lust and pride and anger and hate and jealousy. I don't have to. Are you telling me that? I don't have to be insecure and afraid and timid anymore and 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 shy and I mean you're telling me that you have a new personality for me, a new nature for me? That I could live a different life? Well some people are living at the top of the castle. Why would they? I'm the king. I've got all my harem. I've got everything I want. But in their nature, there's that antagonistic deep down inside reality. Something's wrong. It's in everybody. And yet we look at Christ and that one in a million says, okay, I don't understand a lot of this, but I believe that you loved me so much, God. I want to love you back. I don't have much to give. I don't have anything except my life, my body, my existence that came from you. I want to offer it back to you. This is why Paul in Romans 12 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Do what? Present your bodies a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service. Where's the one in a million that will actually give this experience? Not this, not the house, the car, the money, the walls, the not the stuff, the person. That's what God wants back is the person. And to say, here, now, Lord, you know, you died from all my stuff, but you know I'm coming to you, and I'm full of sin and darkness and brokenness and all these different things. So here I am. I'm not much. I mean, you, you're you the great redeemer, and you're the great ransomer, and you're the one that goes shopping all over the world looking for Uh, people to buy, and you purchase us with your blood, but we're damaged goods, but you are a restorer, and if you want to, you purchased me, you bought me, you, you chose me, you adopted me, you actually went out and looked and saw me and said, I want him, I want her, you did that, we mean that much to you? Here's my life. Take it. Whatever you want to do with it. I'm yours. Where's that one in a million? And God, you put your spirit inside of me. Christ is in my heart by faith. You birthed in me a new nature. You've given me destiny. You've given me purpose. Not only in this world, but the world to come. You know my name. You wrote my name in a book of life. I have a, I have a reservation in heaven. You Me? You did that for me? Just tell me what you want me to do. And he says, Eric, I gave you a book. I gave you a book. I want you to read it, and I want you to study it. And I've given some teachers... To help you for tough questions, and I've given you some apostles to father you through, and and I've given you pastors to care for you, because I know that you're transitioning out of the old into the new, and you're going to need some help, so I've got some people around your life that can assist you if you really want to go all the way. They're there for you. I've, I've, I've done this, says the Lord. I've given you everything. I've, I've got People that I've worked with and sanctified and brought through the process themselves, they're there to help you, to love you, and to care for you. But there's my spirit working through them, so it's all me. God is doing this. And if you want to go all the way, they're there for you. And where's the one in a million it says, I want to go all the way? I don't want the 30-fold. I mean, it's cool to get 30-fold. I don't want the six. I don't want to come in second place. I'm not satisfied with third place. Personally, I'm not, and I want to be part of a team, a godly ecclesia that goes all out to win first place in the race to die to self so that the life of Christ can be lived through us. Paul said, I die daily. Paul said, I no longer live. The I, the me, the self, the ego, the id, I no longer live, but Christ lives in and through me. True Christianity, organic, real, people, bought, damaged, surrendered to Christ. And what is he saving? He's not saving this house. He's not saving this microphone, this camera. He's not saving the blue shirt. He's not saving the material stuff is all going to be burned up. He said that. It's all going to burn. He wants you. God, Uncle Sam, I want you. God wants you to come into his end time army. And he wants to prepare you and equip you and sanctify and wash you and get you ready to stand in this last battle that's coming on the earth. There is a battle coming. There is a war coming on this earth. It's all around us. And billions of people are going to die. And within the ranks of Christianity, many are going to perish. God's calling you and I into an army that will stand. His banner over us is love. But we can't stand with knowledge because knowledge pops up. We can't stand with the material things. The only way this end-time army stands alive and strong is because it's died to itself. Each individual on their own, not forced, told, but willingly have laid down their lives and said, take it all. Take the land, take the car, take the house, take everything. Take it all. If you want it and you want to use it to help or do something else, if you want it all away, told the rich man, go sell everything you have, give it to the poor and come follow me. And he went away sorrowful. But where's the one in a million says, I'm willing. If you want it, you want me to go sell and give it away and come follow you? Just show me where to go. I'm, I'm ready. It's an amazing thing to me that we started with zero. At least I did nothing. I was grown with nothing. Zero. Nada. And how putting God first, he's blessed my life. He's added things to my life. So they're not mine. They're His. Everything is his. And whatever he wants to do with all of it, so be it. Right now we're wanting a bigger studio to reach out and talk to people. Tell them to wake up from the delusion that's going on in the world right now. Show them through the Bible that their eternal destination is on the line right now. Eternal life or eternal death. And how could you possibly turn away from someone who loves you? so very much that he died for you. And if we're gonna die anyways, in a short span of vapor in our lives, why not spend the rest of our time here on earth living for God in what he desires, a crucified life? Not my will, Jesus said, whom we're following, Not my will. Lord, if it be possible, take this cup away from me. I don't want to drink this cup. I don't want to go to the cross. I know in in hours they're going to have my hands tied. In hours they're going to be ripping my, my flesh off of my body. In hours they're going to be punching me and spitting at me and putting thorns in my head. In just hours my being is going to experience. I don't want this cup. Nevertheless, he said, not my will, but your will be done. You're struggling with something in your life. You're having a tough time at work or wherever. You're undergoing a trial. Remember Jesus. Remember he was in a garden of Gethsemane, sweating droplets of blood because of the pressure that was hitting his life to obey his father. In the book of Hebrews, it says, you have not yet resisted in unto death giving up the human nature life is not easy but it is required to know true life if you don't nullify it you can't know the other life now if you try to mix the two in the flesh and in the spirit in the flesh and the spirit but the time comes when we go in and out no more we go in and out no more so for the few of you that have stayed with me in this broadcast, I pray the Lord will help you because you must be staying on for a reason. You must be listening into this broadcast because something is resonating with you. And I honestly don't know who's viewing right now, who's watching. I know when people come on the chat room or in the, the phone and in, in blog talk radio, I know that there's Some callers, and I could see the people in the chat room give their names. There's a few people. But we're told that maybe there's more people listening than we're aware of. And if you're still listening to this broadcast, this unprepared broadcast by Man standard, there must be something in you that's saying, I want this, because you know something. You know that walking in the flesh is a drag and a burden. It's not fun. It's not joyful. The sin is pleasurable for a season, whatever sin that is, (sighs) taking a drag or whatever. But that's, it's not helping. It's not the life of love and joy and peace. And you're saying, you know what, I want that life. I want a new life. I want to be born again. I want to stand with God. I want to give back to God my life that he gave to me. And I want him to do with it whatever he wants to do with it. And I'm willing to do anything that God wants me to do. And I'm not doing it to get man's approval. I'm not seeking honor from men. I want to give my life to God and everything I have. What can I do? Where can I go? How can I serve? But what he really wants? And I really want to give him my heart. He wants me to be his house. God wants to dwell in me as a habitation. He wants a clean heart. And he doesn't want me to hold anything back from him. Nothing. So I don't know how to do it, but Lord, here's my heart. Here's my life. Here I am in all the complexities and brokenness. Here I am. Do what you will if you turn if whatever. There's, there's no options. Well, I'll give you 99.99%, but you can't have this. No, Lord, it's all yours. I'm sorry it's taken so long to turn it over to you. I don't want anything. I don't want to be deceptive. I don't want to be subtle. I just want to be free of human nature. And I want to walk in the fullness of this new nature. I want to live in love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness and gentleness and patience and faithfulness and longsuffering and faith. And I just. I want to live that way, and whatever happens outside, because that's internal, and as I go into life, whatever happens, if I become a multimillionaire, as long as that nature is in control, I'll know exactly what to do with it. If I become poor and lose everything, but have this nature, that's okay, too. I know my needs will always be met, but I also know a time will come Well, I'll have to lay it down. So it's what I become that's important to God. Everything else, eh, it's part of the journey. It's part of the journey. Thank you, Joyce. That's a very kind comment. God bless you. I just feel the Holy Spirit. I I just sense today Holy Spirit has completely taken over and is calling us back to sobriety. I happen to believe this. I very much believe that in the month of June, what they call Pride Month, that there's a release of demonic spirit all over the world right now. And if Christians aren't prepared to stand and aren't girded up in their uniform and their armor. If we're in the self-life of lust of the flesh, the spirits are going to prey upon those areas. I believe they're releasing thoughts into the atmosphere, insane thoughts, crazy, bizarre. Spiritual atmospheres are being created I can't even begin to imagine what Sodom and Gomorrah looked like in the spirit world. The insane demons that were driving these people into insanity. The thinking, and they weren't just thinking, they were acting out. And I believe the world is getting ready to see some acting out in the demonic realm. A friend told me yesterday that another friend of his was up in the Redwoods in California. the homeless population is exploding. And they were seen as they were driving sodomy on the streets, people pulling their pants down and pooping on the sidewalks in the homeless population out in the open. The things that were once a shame are now promoted And out in the open, and I'm telling you, by the word of God and the spirit of the Lord, a release of demonic spirit is coming. Now, thank God, in northwest Arkansas, that there is a hedge, and there there are many Christians that know how to pray. Thank God it's not like this all the time. Thank God for the hedge of protection. And to get moral people, Arkansas leads the nation In anti-abortion, anti-homosexual, anti-transgender issues, um, Arkansas has taken the lead to uphold some moral virtues and values. We who live in a state like this should be getting behind every person that labors by the Spirit of Christ to uphold God's moral righteousness. That's how Christians should become involved. Writing a letter to Jason Rappert, who had a guy, he played a video, this guy just absolutely cursed him upside down because he's taking a righteous stand. People need to get behind Jason Rappert. Encourage him. Take a stand in the Senate, in the legislature. Talk to the Leslie Rut- Rutledge's. Talk to these people. Encourage, pray for them, maybe having never met them before. Pray for our spiritual leaders that they'll be tuned into the frequency of heaven. Pray not to... Do anything but get ready for the battle and to stand in our little fort. Your home is a fort. There are different places that represent forts. Keep the camp clean. And this is the first part right here. So that's it for today. We have a new camera. We're getting ready to go marry someone this afternoon. We're going to marry a precious couple. i have to get running. And that's part of our work. We have Bible study tonight. I look forward to seeing the saints of God that want to have a conversation. And to get back into the word and to feed on the word of God. And I just want to bless those of you who stayed with me. Because I believe you stayed with God, the Holy Spirit. And I just want to bless you and ask the Lord to bring resolve into your heart. And what is that resolve? I want to go all the way. I love you, Lord. I praise you and I thank you. Intentionally and on purpose, I love you. Do with me what you've intended from the beginning of time. When you bought me, you had a plan what you were going to do with me. You saw something that was useful to you. And thank you that I will spend eternity with you without having to wrestle with the flesh or sickness or disease or pain or suffering. You're bringing us into an eternal reality after this vapor. But, Lord, while we're here on this earth, let us do what you want us to do. Let us become more like you getting ready for eternity. And to the degree that we understand these things, help us to become. And let the Holy Spirit be so energetic and so powerful. And let the Holy Spirit really become the dominant force in our lives with a joyful submission like a a wife that really loves her husband and says, take the lead, baby. You lead, I follow, and I'll help you get to where we're going. Let our souls submit to God's spirit and our spirit. Okie dokie. All right. We love you all. Shalom to you. May the Lord bless you. I'll see you tomorrow. This is Pastor Vince. Right now on Omega Radio, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, there's a roundtable discussion right now with Patricia Joy Xavier out of her book, Deliverance, The Christian Bill of Rights. All you need to do is go to omegaradio.org. We'll see you there, and we'll see you tomorrow right here at Lighthouse. I don't know. Do we like Lighthouse? Well, we'll see you tomorrow. God bless.